Stewart here. We've got a lot to talk about today. Of course, Martha Stewart. No, just kidding. Not Martha Stewart. Martha Ford. Not the same people at all. One is very diminutive and quiet and reserved. The other, well, not so diminutive, maybe a little bit taller. I wouldn't say she's quiet, maybe reserved, but she's been to prison. Anyways, we're going to talk about Martha Ford resigning. We're also going to talk about um, Brett Favre anointing Colin Kaepernick a hero. Is Colin Kaepernick a hero? I don't know. And then, well, then we have NASCAR. <laughs> and we have Bubba Wallace. And this whole noose in the, the mechanics pit area, whatever area it was, and was it really or wasn't it? And I don't know. What does that mean to NASCAR? Anyways, all right, let's get started. Uh, Martha Ford, who is 94 years old, has been running the Detroit Lions. And a lot of people are like, why in the heck is she doing this? You know, what, what, is, the whole, what is the whole purpose behind her being the, the owner? And I, and I have a little bit of history with this. Because um, I can tell you, it, it's a fascinating history with the Detroit Lions, the ownership, the Ford family owning the, the Detroit Lions, the the fact that the Lions are one of only two I, or possibly three. Uh, it's the Houston, Houston Texans, the Jaguars, and the Detroit Lions, the only three teams. And two of the three are, franchi are, are, are uh, expansion franchises so that have gone to the Super Bowl. So none of those three teams have gone to the Super Bowl. And the Lions have been around forever. One of the founding member teams in the NFL. So sat on the Lions, and of course the ownership has been in the control of the Ford family since 1963. Actually, December 22nd, or November 22nd, 1963, which was the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated, kind of one of those watermark moments in American history. And uh, certainly for Detroit Lions fans, it, it was, I think people would have thought, oh, this is awesome a member of the Ford family, you know, the Ford Motor Company, which built America essentially, is owning our team. And it's not been the case. They haven't won a championship uh, since the 50s. And it's just, it's, it's been a mighty struggle. And having played there, you can kind of see some of the challenge. I was so excited when Martha Ford actually got to become the owner. I really was. And I admired her courage to do that in such a later part of her life. But she, she understood the legacy of the Lions to the NFL and to her family. And she just said, all right, I, I'm going to take charge of this because I think she was kind of sick and tired of seeing how her husband had basically been very inept in his, in his uh, running of the team. But you have to understand some of the history, which is fascinating. So William Clay Ford Sr. was fired from the Ford Motor Company, which holds his name, by his uncle, William Clay Ford II. Or no, I'm sorry, Henry Ford II. They called him Hank the Deuce. He was basically fired because he couldn't stay sober past 10 o'clock in the morning. And he just was not, you know, he just wasn't a good worker. Uh, he was a brilliant man. He was part of the team that developed the Lincoln Continental for Ford Motor Company. So he's fired. Uh, he's got all the money in the world. And he's like, what do I do with it? Well, I'm going to go and uh, buy a football team. And then I'm also going to buy memberships in some of the most prestigious golf courses in the country. 
Augusta, Cypress Point, Firestone, Seminole. I mean, you, the list goes on. And I basically, the only control I have in my life is who is my coach. And I make all the decisions about my football team and how it works. And I want that control. Problem is, I'm not sober enough to really manage this in an efficient way. And that's kind of what has been the genesis of the Detroit Lions with the Ford Motor Company. Now, to Mr. Ford's credit, he got sober. And really, if you want an organization that wants to win, it's the Detroit Lions. I don't know that there's an organization that's wanted to win more. They would do anything for the players. How they treated us, um, what they were trying to accomplish, they, they were, it, was, it wasn't better. And I know they get this rap, and it's mind-numbing to me and so frustrating to watch because you can see that they want this so bad. It's almost like they want it too bad. The problem I have always seen with it is – you look at you look at these teams that have consistent success. You look at um, just take the Pittsburgh Steelers. Very clear, and they and they're run by a similar you know family, the Rooney family, who is kind of kind of the old guard and and kind of cut out of the same cloth as the Martha Fords and some of these other um, you know blue blood franchises. But they're very clear, and they have a plan. And they've stuck with the plan. And they've been one of a couple of teams that have been really good about managing the era of free agency. They don't overspend on getting players. They develop younger players. And they, they, have, a, they have a system and they know the right player to bring in and plug into their system. They run a special defense, very similar to the Patriots. These two, these two philosophies are are very much in tune with, with one another. They're not a team that makes a lot of changes in a hurry. They keep players around. They work with them. They develop them within that system uh, for, for a long period of time. So they, they get the right players, they coach them up well, and they have, a, a, they have a system. The Lions, on the other hand, have always just kind of been a reactionary organization. Well, we now have to do this. We now have to do that. And they're even doing it right now. And what they're saying is the team that's winning right now is the New England Patriots. Well, we'll, we'll go and we'll get their, one of their assistants and we'll bring that whole culture here. And the problem is who needs to bring the culture is the team that's trying to go get out and get the culture, right? The, the, the Detroit Lions need to have their culture. And they have. They've established a culture of reaction. And they, it's, it's not going out and getting Matt Patricia that's going to change the culture of the Detroit Lions. It's the Detroit Lions going, we from the very top have to change our culture and what we do. Eddie DeBartolo bought the San Francisco 49ers, and he brought a culture to that organization. And people were very clear in what was, what was expected. And then he went out and he hired the people that fit into that culture. And they bought into it. And they, they were driven by it. It's, it's fascinating to watch some of these old, um, they're America's games. And you, and you, you talk about the 1982 you know, 
San Francisco 49ers or the 84 San Francisco 49ers and you hear these common threads of these players and coaches and they talk about um, a standard that they all understood and they felt they had a responsibility to live up to. And, all, you know, Joe Gibbs, when he went to uh, the Washington Redskins, but, but Jack Kent Cook said, look, we'll create the culture and we'll stick with it. And the Detroit Lions just never understood or could get the right culture in place. And they're not the only organization. And there's a lot of others, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, there's tons of teams. I mean, even the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have a – there's not this culture of – um, how do we win and and sticking with it? I think the sticking with it part is such a, a critical component of this. You look at so many players. Boy, I mean, I think of Terry Bradshaw when he started. Terrible, right? Pete Manning took him five years before he won a, won a, won a playoff game. Joe Montana was not good when he started out. There was times when he was really, really struggling. I mean, you one of the few people who's never really been through this is Tom Brady. But most people struggle. And most people, it takes some time to really figure out how to win. And there's just some organizations that aren't willing to work through that process. They're not willing to have the patience. And that was a huge frustration to me, actually, when I played for the Detroit Lions. So now Martha Ford has stepped down, and her daughter, which I find fascinating, uh, has taken over. And, and the same culture, the same family, I'm not seeing how this is going to change anytime soon. Are you going to take a break, come back? Um, is Brett Favre right in anointing Colin Kaepernick uh, a hero? That's right. Uh, Brett Favre recently was asked about kind of some of the, the things that are going on in our society. And of course, uh, this George Floyd was, was very senselessly and rather brutally killed by a police officer who kneeled on his neck for over eight minutes long. And, and you just go, you know, is that excessive force? And, and, and it brings to light an issue with Colin Kaepernick that he brought up and he said, there is this um, violence among, uh, against black people from the police force, this whole idea of police brutality. And, and at the time, no one took him serious. The debate wasn't about what he was protesting or speaking out on. The debate was, why are you kneeling during the national anthem? And so what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened from Colin Kaepernick a few years ago. Well, now this, this has become an issue again in our country. And now um, the protests from Colin Kaepernick seem to have some more relevance. And I'm, I, I haven't changed my position on this. I, I, do, I, I haven't at all as far as, you know, should he have knelt or not? And I said, absolutely not. Um, should he stand up for what he believes in? 100%. Uh, I would stand right next to him. 
And I would say, I'm with you, but I wouldn't do it while I was at work. And I wouldn't do it during the national anthem. Well, that whole, that whole moment is for me, not a moment of protest. It's a moment of saying, thank you. It's a moment of gratitude. It's a moment of respect. And it's not a moment to say, wait, there's an injustice going on in the world. And I, I get, I get that you say, well, how can I, how can I not, how can I kneel for a country that does stuff like this? It's not the country that's doing this. It's individuals inside the country that are doing this. It's a country that was founded on the ability to have freedom. We're celebrating what a great design and opportunity that this country provides. People are gonna argue, well, it's not the same for everyone. Well, I can show you countless examples of people from every race who have been monumentally successful. And I can give you countless stories of people from all races who are a monumental failure. Now, I wasn't really debating over this, this part of this wasn't about, about that. So, so my feeling about the flag is you respect the flag. There's a moment when you do that. And, and that's when you, you know, you do that. Now you want to protest, you want to make a statement, you want to make a stand. I think you do it in another fashion. I think if you go to work and you risk losing your job at work by being um, belligerent, because that's what he was doing, that you stand the risk of, you may not be employed. And that's part of being a good employee. That's part of taking care of your business. Now, if you wanna just say, I don't care, I may lose everything for this. Then you should say, I, you know what? I lost everything for it. And I still stand by what I say. And I made the choice knowing the consequences. I may lose my job. But to come back and say, you know, I need, I deserve to play in the NFL. And the, the NFL, look, the NFL is an employer and they have employees. And those employees need to follow a certain protocol, uh, you know, or, or run the risk of not being employed. Now you want to go out and protest and do all those things and stand up for what you believe. I just think there's a smarter way to do it. I don't think anything Colin Kaepernick did is a result of what's happening today. So Brett Favre comes out and he says, well, is Colin Kaepernick a hero? Because he'll probably be um, deemed a hero because he stood for something. He lost his job, as I'm saying, um, at a great sacrifice to himself when it would have been better to just toe the line, as Dolly Parton said, just shut up and sing. You don't have an opinion. Sure, you have opinions, but you keep them to yourself while you're doing your job. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with saying, um, taking care of my family and making sure that I have a job is important to me. So you could argue, by not saying anything, you're a hero because you're able to 
pay for your bills, create a future, some financial security for yourself and your family. Nothing wrong with that. There's honor in that. And I, I don't have a problem with Colin Kaepernick saying, I stand for this. And I don't even have to agree with it. And, and, but I am totally behind people that are willing to stand up for what they believe in. And I'm totally about, yes, people fought for that right in this country. And, but I just believe that there's a sacred moment that we just stop and we pause and we say thank you and we acknowledge what, what it is that we have. And I, I just don't think there's any place where you just protest because his original comment was, I can't stand for a country that's going to oppress people and is going to have this police brutality. And, and uh, it's not the country that's doing it. The country allows you opportunities. Colin Kaepernick made, a, made millions and millions of dollars being a football player and living his dream. And no one stopped him. No one stopped him from that. And, and no one stopped numerous people in, in the world. So, but getting back to, to is he a hero? And, and are these people heroes? And is it, is it just someone who says, look, I'm, I'm Pat Tillman. And, and I've, I've said, you know what? Football's great. I make a lot of money at it. I'm famous. I'm living a dream. And after 9-11, he just said, you know what? There are things that are more important than me playing football. Because at the end of the day, football players are just entertainers. Art Donovan, who was in World War II, great defensive lineman for the Colts Hall of Fame. He said, no one, no one ever shot bullets over my head when I was playing professional football. So I don't know that I'm really a hero. I'm popular. I'm famous. I give people entertainment. And, yeah, I've sacrificed a tremendous amount. I've worked hard to get where I am. But um, the payoff's pretty darn good, too. And I'm not really – I'm not moving the needle in the world, per se by what I do, I'm entertainment. I'm a way for people to escape their every normal day lives and do something that's enjoyable, it's fun to watch. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not changing the world in, in what I'm doing as a football player. Now, are there times when people can say, just by their actions, by their words, can they change things? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, people can, people can change things um, by what they just say. In fact, I saw it uh, with a friend of mine, Billy Casper, who, quite frankly, was the whole reason for this podcast, Helmets Off. I used to play golf with Billy. He was my neighbor. And we'd have these amazing conversations. And I'm like, man, people got to hear this. this. This is so good. And um, I was at Billy Casper's funeral and he was telling a story about when he had gone to Vietnam in the, in the 1960s and he went up to a soldier who basically had just been left to die. He, he requested that people leave him alone. 
Uh, he was very badly injured and he just, he wanted to die. And they said to Billy, don't go over and see him. Well, Billy Casper walks over to him, puts his hand on his shoulder and says, son, God has a plan for you. Well, that soldier decided in that moment that his life was worth living. He only had one eye. He had one arm. Um, he had a badly shot up leg and he was, he was, his face was all scarred and physically it was nothing to look at. And in our society, that's a hard thing to swallow and live with, especially in a war that's not popular, but he came home and he made something of his life and, and he became a productive member of society. When I was in college, we had a motivational speaker come to talk to us before a game playing our, our huge rival, BYU. We hadn't beat BYU in 10 years. And Cleve McCleary, a wounded soldier in Vietnam who basically said I was there to die until a man came up to me who I'd never met, didn't know who he was, never saw his face, said, God has a plan for you. So I got up. Well, I'm at Billy Casper's funeral, and I look across the aisle, and there's Cleve McCleary. And I thought, what a small world. Here, my friend Billy Casper and a gentleman who spoke at, uh, to me in college, and by the way, we won the game, uh, was at his funeral. And how being a hero comes in a lot of different forms. So is, is Colin Kaepernick a hero? Yeah, he actually is. He's a hero for standing up for what he believed in, for giving. He kind of gave up a lot. He gave football up. He didn't know he was going to give it up, but he ended up giving it up for what he believed in. And is that a hero? Yeah. Is Billy Casper a hero for going out? And, and yes. Is Cleve McCleary a hero for getting up? And, and when, he, when it was so much easier to not? Yes. Um, when we decide in our lives, that uh, we're willing to go out and be bold and to get out of our comfort level and to, to do something when it's not convenient for us to help people where there's no, there's no glory on the back end of this. Yeah, that's a hero. And they come in all different sizes, shapes, and ways, but they are heroes. Well, when we come back, there's certainly a, a, another issue going on in our society today. And of course, Bubba Wallace and NASCAR. Stick around. Okay, welcome back to Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell here, your host. And it's that time, it's third segment of the day. And uh, of course, NASCAR, Bubba Wallace, the only uh, black driver um, on the circuit. There was speculation that a, a noose had been placed in his <clears throat> mechanic area for his for an upcoming race. And of course, that sent the world into a tailspin. And quite frankly, for me, I was so hopeful that someone had not done this. Uh, Bubba Wallace had, had spoken out about um, some of the social issues that had, had happened. Uh, there was some controversy about some of the things that he was saying, because let's face it, NASCAR is a very Southern, deep South rooted form of entertainment. It's predominantly probably, you know, I mean, there's only one black driver. So yeah, most of the people are white. 
the fans are white. Uh, the fans are about the Confederate flag and kind of being rebels. And so the stereotype is, well, of course someone did this. This is the South. And everyone's hoping, you know, oh, this is going to be a black eye for NASCAR. and This is not going to look good. And it turns out that it actually had been there for some time. It wasn't involved in a hate crime, anything against Bubba Wallace. And I was so glad to see this. I was so glad because some of what I think are the best fans in sports are NASCAR fans, extremely loyal, uh, extremely um, proud, and they, you know, they show up. And it's, it's, you know, I think of all the fan bases in all of professional sports, probably the best. You, know, you go to a sporting event, there's 250,000 fans. When, uh, when your driver uses Tide, well, all of the NASCAR nation uses Tide because that's what NASCAR, na you know, um, drivers do. And so we do what the drivers do. <clears throat> so it's got a passionate, loyal, deep following. And, and so um, I just loved that they all walked out all the way down pit row on, on foot with Bubba Wallace and just showing like, look, we're all in this together. Um, NASCAR is not um, above this and we're willing to put our money where our, our mouth is. And I was so glad, I was so glad to see this because we've got to look for ways that bring us together as opposed to tearing us apart. One thing that I found fascinating in the world of football, the one thing that brought everyone together was, was a common cause of winning. <laughs> You're, you're around a bunch of people who love playing football. They also know that if I don't do a good job, I'm out of here. And I don't want to be out of here. So I don't care what race you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care anything about you other than can you help me win so I can stay around here? And so you can stay around here. And so that we can you know, continue doing this great sport. And they forget everything else. And I think as a society, it's a powerful thing to figure out ways that we work together, right? Because this other stuff is just, just dividing the heck out of us. And, and that's why I was just so glad that this was not something planted. It never became political. It, it didn't happen. A lot of people were up in arms with this, that you know, here we go. This is what you're going to deal with here. And I, and I was just, I was elated, elated that people saw that this, this didn't happen. So how can we all get on the same, to be the same team in the locker room? And I really think it's looking for ways that we can work together for a common cause, whatever that might be. And I've made mention of, you know, you go and you just serve people. And I believe that's one of the one of the solutions. But I also believe it's it's if if we if we're if we're just focused on whatever it might be, you know, changing a neighborhood, helping someone out. Again, it's this whole service. 
but it's also work. And if you go out and you work together, you work together for a common cause, you really quickly forget who the other person is and their politics, their race, their religion, doesn't matter anymore. So my parting words to all of you are find ways that we can work together because that's the only way that we'll get through these, these challenging times that we live in and, and sports is a great, it really is a great uh, teacher of principles that are sound principles for success in life. Anyways, I'm Scott Mitchell and Helmets Off is now off. You can find us um, on kslsports.com, which we are powered by. We got tons of uh, podcasts there. Of course, mine are the best ones, so you'd want to listen to them. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Helmets Off um, show or on Twitter at the Helmets Off podcast. That may be switched around. Figure it out. I forget. I'm older. Um, you know how it goes. And I've got a lot of COVID going on. Let's face it. Anyways, until then, we'll uh, catch you soon. We'll be right back.